Hi folks, your host Stephen Behan here, and I'm delighted to welcome you to our special pop-up series as part of our commitment to the 20 by 20 Women in Sport campaign. In these interviews, we speak to some of the top female coaches in the country across a variety of different sports to try and gain some tips and insights as to what motivates them in their coaching careers. We look forward to welcoming you back to season three later in the year, but for now, sit back, listen, and we hope you enjoy. On today's show, I'm joined by the legend Anne Downey of Kilkenny Camogie fame. During her time as a player, she won 12 All-Ireland medals, Captain Kilkenny in 1989 and 94, and also has seven All-Ireland club medals to her name with St. Paul's and Liz Downey. Anne talks about her steps into management and the learnings from that. She also talks about the importance of communication skills and feedback to players, and mentions how variety in her sessions are key to keeping things fresh. I really enjoyed the chat today, took a load of things from it. I hope you do too. Okay, today I am delighted to be joined by Anne Downey and, of course, a renowned Camogie player with Kilkenny, 12 All-Irelands, 7 Club All-Irelands with St. Paul's and Liz Downey. Uh, and thanks a million for coming on. So I'm going to yep. jump straight in uh, and ask you, obviously a decorated player, but how did you get into coaching and managing Kilkenny? You've been in there with three stints, so um, I, I'm curious to, to how you got involved. Well, I suppose, Stephen... Um when I when I started the coach, there wasn't too many men, I think, that were interested really in taking over um, Kilkenny Camogie or women's teams at the time. And, I, and if memory serves me correctly, I think that Kilkenny were struggling at the time to try and find someone. And I knew that if I went in, um, you know, that I could probably pull some good people in with me, and which I did. When I went in first, I had Paul Paul Murphy and John Lonergan. So really, I suppose I was I was filling the gap that County Board were were having difficulty in in filling. Really, that's how how I got into to coaching. And uh, I had retired from Camogie, and uh, I suppose I was playing a bit of golf, and that wasn't doing it for me. And you know, when the call came, I decided, you know, sure, I'll I'll have a go and see what I can I can bring and give back to the game after having so many good years in Camogie. So, you know, I looked forward to, to being able to give back something. That's brilliant. And do you think that your experiences as a player at that level and the success that you had, did that make that step into coaching at that level a bit that bit easier for you, do you think? Or to make that decision easier? Well, it made it easier for me, I suppose. You know, I had all the experience um, from, as you say, from playing in all Ireland and from, you know, being involved with Kilkenny for so long. And I knew what it what needed, um, I suppose, to be, what needed to be done and what needed to be improved on. And obviously, you know, having been a player, I also knew the, the pitfalls that players encounter through work and through exams and through trying to get through college, you know. And I suppose I could... Uh, you know, emphasize with with the girls if they came with the problem. So you know, I I I I felt at the time that while I wasn't a qualified coach or anything, that I had certainly plenty of experience that I could bring to the to the game. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And uh, what you're saying there is in terms of having that empathy and having known what the the players go through and stuff like that. Did you have to? learn very very quickly as you went in did you have a like i'm wondering did you have a plan straight away when you went in this is what i think we need to do did you have to adapt that plan Uh, and how did that change as i said you had three different stints in charge so how did that change over the years well you know i never accepted the um the job on any of the occasions without i had good people that was first and foremost so 
Um, you know, when I was there first, as I said, Paul Murphy and John Lonergan and uh, Frank Burke, uh, I had worked with Frank as well, he's a Galway chap, um, now living in Bunclody. But, um, you know, if, if I had those on board, I was confident enough that we could improve things. But I suppose the big challenge and the big question that I had to ask myself was, how were the girls going to react to me? Because remember, these were young girls that I probably would have played against in my latter days uh, at club level. So while I was with Liz Downey, I would have come up against, in battle, I suppose, against some of these girls um, that were now going to be on the county panel. And that was the big, that was the big challenge that was facing me. And I suppose I thought long and hard about it. Would I be able to gel everyone together? You know, there was um, ferocious rivalry in the club scene in Kilkenny at the time. I suppose when I was with St. Paul's, we were winning county finals year after year. And then with Lee Downey, the, the battles with Ballycallan and Freshford, uh, you know, and all the other clubs. So that was that was a major challenge. And once I was confident that, you know, I could gel everyone together, I was happy to get involved. OK, so uh, you speak of these ferocious battles, Anne. How did you actually gel these players together so if if the rivalry was so tense uh, and so um maybe maybe bitter how did you get those girls to uh to, to band together for for the Kamogi team for Kilkenny Camogie well really it was sitting down and individually speaking to the girls and and letting them know what the plan was and that you know I I would have hoped to move things on from our training sessions I you know I had told them that we had expert people involved and I remember at one stage we you know we were lucky enough to to be able to to, to go down to Limerick University and uh, do a fit, fitness test and that was in the early days and I suppose little things that um, never we never had when I was playing to be quite honest you know we went to Kieran's and we did our training and we went home um, and also that the coaching um, a new coach a new voice um, new people with me people that um, you know, were there for the better of, of Kilkenny Camogie with no club connections. You know, I didn't, I kind of had a policy that if if you were involved with the county and your daughter was on the team, that, that I didn't want the person to be involved or a mother or a father to be involved. I just didn't think it was a good idea. So we were starting off with a new slate. And I think once we started to have a little bit of success, everyone realised that we were trying to, trying to change things and I wasn't we weren't picking t people that were on from my club you know we were picking the best players available and um it wasn't easy but you know eventually uh, it came around to you know everyone buying into the plan that we had and um I suppose that was that was really the big challenge and once we got over that you know things started to you know take shape for us yeah, it's interesting that you've mentioned the 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 importance of your backroom team and the team that comes in with you. Uh, how much thought and and effort do you put into that before you accept a management job or before you go into a new season? And what sort of qualities do you look for in your coaches and and the people that you bring in with you? Um, well, you know, I. I I have to give a lot of thought, to be quite honest, because there is no point in, in taking a job unless you have a, a good plan. And you know that the people that you're that were number one have to be willing to come in with you and to get the right person. Um, you know, there'd be plenty of people that over the years that I could have asked. But number one, I would have been able to be able to get on with them. But certainly number two, I needed someone that would bring 
something different to to the to the setup. You know, every year it was it was always something different. It was always um, a new coach with new ideas to freshen the thing up, and that that was really really important. Um, you know, training at the end of the day is you know you have to enjoy it. You have to want to go to training. You have to be looking forward to training, and if you have someone that um, is going to be doing the same thing every session, um, girls are going to get tired. Players are going to get tired of it, um, you know, along the way. So every time that I got involved with a with a with a coach, it always brought something. They always brought something new, you know. As I said, Paul first, and then I, you know, I had a great year with Frank Flannery, and as you know, Frank has had great success in Cork and mm-hmm. um, in Wexford. Uh, Paddy Mullally, working with Paddy in WIT, definitely brought something new and we had great success with Paddy. And even then, Brian Dowling, um, the last year that I was with Kenny Camogie, you know, all had different qualities and all brought something new to, to the table. And that is so important to keep things fresh and, but most of all, to keep things enjoyable. Yeah, and I love the fact that you're talking about enjoyment even at the highest level because I think sometimes as coaches, we forget that when even when we're involved with our with our juvenile teams or whatever it may be yeah. back at our clubs. Um, so you had three stints with Kilkenny. You had uh, success at junior level, intermediate level, and senior All-Ireland in 2016. Yeah. How would you say that you developed as a coach over that time? Uh, would you say you brought different qualities at different times throughout wow. that? Uh, obviously, you would have been nearly straight out of your playing days into the first stint. Uh, compared to your last stint, I'm just curious because you don't see too many uh, in the inter-county game that that actually get three cracks at it, and I'm just very uh, curious on how you think you developed or, or learned uh, over the time off. Well, I suppose for the first few years, go back to 2002, while I was doing a lot of the coaching myself. After that, even really, I was I was manager working with a coach, and that was where Paul Murphy and Frankie came in. You know, um, they were really the coach. What I was doing was, I suppose, putting things together. If I saw that something wasn't working, um, you know, we would have a chat about it, obviously involving the girls. That was really my role. Um, But with regard to the skills of the game, um, certainly from the time that we had been training under and had such success with Tom Ryan, uh, you know, things had, had moved on from running around the few laps of the pitch um, you know, doing some sprints in and out to the end line to suddenly working with um, semi-professionals like Paul, Frank and Paddy, you know, where the drills were completely different. The drills were completely different every night. Everything was work of the ball. Um, you're running while you were doing it. You didn't really, really realise that you were doing it. And and in the latter years then, of course, we got a, fit, uh, uh, a fitness coach in. So we had a skills coach. We had Lee Meegan doing our fitness work and from the time going back to when we were winning all irons it was a one-man show it was tom ryan and two selectors but you know from from the early the early years 2002 and up to 2006 while i was the coach then uh after that you know as i said i handed over the reins to to the coaches that i got to work with me okay and you talk there about how uh, it sort of developed in terms of doing laps of the pitch, do um, uh, one person in charge doing a bit of everything and something like that. Do you think that's sort of a reflected in how Camogie has developed over the last 
maybe 15 or 20 years that uh, obviously Kilkenny be reasonably successful team um, but uh, are, are, is the standard rising a, across the way like that in terms of the backroom teams and managements the, the attitude towards it? Oh I mean everything has changed from when, when we were playing I suppose uh, 12 side and you go to training and you just warm up and you'd have a game and you do the few laps and you went home um, you stopped at the local local chipper maybe you know if you were lucky enough if you were allowed stop to have a bag of chips from the last time that I was involved where we had were fortunate enough to to uh, we had Dr Martin O'Brien came on board with us we had uh, Dr Fergus Heffernan who was um, psychologist with the girls uh, we had a full-time physio um, but I suppose maybe there was more money available uh, in the latter years than there was when we were involved because we when we were winning all irons I suppose we were very much dependent on uh, Paddy Grace and Kenny Hurling board to give us a dig out maybe put us up over the weekend uh, which certainly the skill level has improved as well you know going to 15 aside there's so much space um, you know to, 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 to play and to express yourself um, certainly the level the skill level was definitely there when we were when we were playing without doubt but um, the skill level you know has risen the game has got better um from the fact that it has gone from 12 to 15 but you know even helene o'neill all the liz neary all the girls that we played with biddy o'sullivan i could say name gillian dillon i mean they were super players super uh, that would hold their own at a 15 aside uh, while the skill was always there um is it any better today i wouldn't think it is any better only that maybe the girls now get a better chance to express themselves because they're being playing on the big, big pitch. So is you think that maybe the skills maybe more or less the same at the, at the top level, but you think the big differences are in maybe tactical advances and or, or maybe uh, of course. strength, yeah. and, strength yeah. and conditioning and stuff like that? that yeah. Yeah. And yeah, of course. Yeah, it's strengthening conditioning. We would have, Ange, both Angela and myself, I, I can't speak for anyone else, both Angela and myself would have looked after our strengthening conditioning when we were playing. Now all the girls do it. Um, the skill level, again, um, the tactics, I suppose. You couldn't have played a sweeper with 12 aside. Yeah. Uh, even from the from 2000, when we were playing 15 aside, and I was involved earlier on, of course, there was no such thing as a sweeper. We didn't even think about it. And I suppose we brought that in when, when we got involved with Paddy and Paddy Mullally. And 2016, we were lucky enough to, you know, to beat Cork in the All-Ireland. Uh, but certainly tactics have changed from the time that I was playing and even from my early years involved in school, in, in, in the sport, you know, just 15 aside and each player marked their own. Um, there was no great movement off the ball. You were full forward, you were full forward, that was it. Uh, but now I suppose the, the tactics play a major part in, in, in all games and I suppose the girls have a licence to roam where they, where they wish if they, if they have the energy to do so. Yeah, and is that something that you had to? Uh, I'm hesitant to use the word upscale because you probably knew it all already. But in terms of develop your own skill set in talking through tactical uh, scenarios or setting up a, a sort of a style of play that you wanted them to play. Um, and again, I'm I'm conscious that you've been been doing this a long time. So is that something that as Camogie game developed that you had to develop alongside with it or do you think you were maybe you could have been ahead of the curve in some parts 
Well, I suppose what I, would, what I would say was that we were forced really to do something different, to be quite honest. Um, the girls had been in so many All-Irelands before 2016, playing 15 against 15 and, and not getting the results. And we sat down and we, we decided, you know, if we can stop goals being scored and we can score some points ourselves and make the room, we might have a chance. And we had to have a serious chat with the girls, you know, if you have to buy into the way that we're going to play. If you're not happy with the way we're going to play, you need to tell us. So, like, we had long chats and many chats with the girls over the way we were going to set up and each person's role, especially the half-forwards and how hard they were going to be able to work and, you know, to change in and change out themselves, you know, if they felt that they needed a rest. So it took a lot of... Uh, our mindset changed, certainly we had to change, as I said, but uh, on the girls' part, I suppose, it was, it was a lot of hard work to, to get that style of play that we, that we wanted to, um, to put into, into practice with them. Um, but eventually, uh, you know, it did pay off. But as you saw from, I suppose, last year, we, we changed our tactics as well. And because we have been beaten in 2017 and 2018, playing the same sort of work and score enough, uh, weren't conceding but at the same time we weren't scoring enough goals either um, so we went back to a, a different style of play last year but uh, you sit down and you I suppose you have a look at what has happened the year before what worked what didn't work and um, it does take an awful lot of effort but it is a, a probably a mindset I didn't have a problem change, changing you know if it was going to bring success uh, I was happy enough to do that. Yeah it's really interesting to hear how you you're adapted and even in a search should such a short period of time between 2016 and 2019 um do you when you're like working out a game plan or your your tactics and do you work the game plan to the players that you have or do you try and get players to fit into the game plan that you think will be most successful well i suppose you have to have the game uh, you have to have the players to fit into the plan to be quite honest uh and also you know, every time that we played the opposition, obviously we would have to sit down and look at what we're up against and the people that uh, needed to be stopped. And did we have the players, you know, to do that? And I suppose one person that would come to mind for me would be Davina Tobin had sacrificed her game for so long, for since 2016, you know, to do a job for Kilkenny and uh, an absolutely super player and... Um, and I and because she had sacrificed her game, I think probably has been overlooked by, you know, a lot of people for for which I felt that she should have got awards for. And um, that's another kettle of fish. But um, you have to have the players, I suppose, you know, to be that do a job, be able to do a job for you. Yeah. Okay. It's yeah. It's interesting. And would you have found uh, throughout your own playing career then that the the coaching would have changed an awful lot? Um, at the, we've talked very quickly through. A huge amount of developments in your own coaching um career but in your playing career coaches that you would have had would it have stayed the same all the time or would it have developed and could you see it was getting better towards the end of your playing oh it stayed the same to be quite honest because you know we had we had tom ryan i mean for the seven in a row that we won tom ryan was our coach and we really did the same thing all the time to be quite honest it was win your own position and try and, you know, try and put the ball in front of it, in front of the forward. Um, but like the pitch was so tight at the time that you probably didn't have an awful lot of time to look around and see where you were going to, to 
place baller. I mean, the pitch was on the 221s and if you're a good enough striker, you're able to take your own your own um, point. Probably that doesn't happen enough in, in Camogie since they've gone to the full-size pitch because there's a, not that many Camogie players that can take a point from the, from the middle of the field. Mm-hmm. There's a few, but not that many. Um, so certainly for our training sessions, you know, you knew you were going back every year. Uh, you might have a different voice, maybe with a different selector, but Tom was there the whole time, just pushing on and pushing on. And certainly we knew what we were going back into, you know, this was going to be more of the same as we had the year before. But we didn't mind. We were being successful. You know, we were winning all Ireland, so there was no need to change anything at the time. Oh, absolutely. When you're winning, that that's... that's uh there's absolutely no need. And when you say seven in a row, that's uh, that's quite a success story. Um, so would Tom been a, a big influence to you on, in terms of your own coaching and how you dealt with players, communicate players? Oh, sure, he would have. You know, I mean, Tom had uh, would be in the middle of us all playing. If, you know, if we had 12 against 12 or, you know, someone got injured, Tom would step in and he'd be part of the team and he'd be having the cut off us, you know, but... I suppose maybe the biggest influence really on my coaching career would have been the style of Brian Cody and what Michael Dempsey and himself brought to the team at that time. As you know, you could go to Nolan Park and I'd have the pen and paper and I'd be taking down the, the drills, what drills they were doing and their drills were always maybe different every night. And um, Martin Fogarty then would have some, Martin would be a first cousin of mine and he would, was very helpful when I was involved in all the teams, you know, he'd do a session or short and snappy and he'd have, you know, half an hour and to be all different. So really that's, I suppose, how I learned my coaching skills. And, you know, when I went to, out to the hurling team in Callan first to, to, to give them a hand, um, that's what I brought to the table to them, what was happening inside in Nolan Park. And it was great to get those, that experience to be able to win and sit in the stand and, see what they did every night and unfortunately I suppose that's lost to us now but um, all the years that I was involved with you can in regards to what team it was you could pick up the phone to to any of the lads you know to Mick Dempsey or to to Frankie Flannery when he had gone to Cork or to Washford or to to um, to Martin Fogarty and they'd give you a handout or they'd give you a drill or tell you what to do you know so that was always available to me and I was lucky to have it. That's amazing and what a resource to have. So would you say yeah. that a lot of your development and coach education has been basically, I'm not using the word mentoring, but by getting advice or, or running something past other people that are involved in coaching at the same time? Yeah, well, as I said, looking at what was happening within the county scene, to be quite honest, because the Camogie players and the hurlers are exactly the same. They have the same skill. You know, it's the same principle, striking, hitting, catching, all that. And, you know, I didn't read the manual to find out how to coach. You know, I went in and I looked at what was happening. Um, and I suppose maybe even to deal with with players, you know, I haven't been through it myself. Um, you know, while I would be fairly serious uh, at training and, you know, I wasn't sure to give it out to the girls um, when it needed. We also had fun and we also enjoyed it, you know, and we'd also have a bit of crack and, they knew they could say anything, but also they knew, you know, that their resources were there if and if needed to talk. So that was all different from the time that I was playing. You know, if you had Barney with someone at training when we were playing 12 against 12, you just got into your car and you didn't have anyone to talk about it. You just, you know, 
I suppose, waited for the next training session and hopefully that things would have panned out. But things are different now. I suppose girls expect the more professional, they expect those resources to be available to them. And uh, now is so professional from the time that we were playing. Yeah. And just on, on that, I suppose, and in terms of uh, women in coaching, like uh, you're obviously um, blazing a the trail there now in charge of a men's team. What do you think? Where are we with women's coaching in Ireland? Do you think um, uh, the standard has obviously risen? Do you think we have a lot more to go? Do you think we're going to see more and more women involved in coaching? Or how do you feel it is in the country? Well, I've, I would hope that we would see more more women, to be quite honest. You know, when when I was involved with the lads first here in the in the village of Ballaragat, we were at minor, minor B. And in fairness... I had been with the Callan Hurler Intermediate Hurling team and the club asked me to get involved and they had the confidence in me that I could coach them and bring them to a certain fitness level. And then in 2011, we were, you know, blessed that we won the under 21. Um, I didn't go any farther with them at that stage. Um, I suppose I went back to the Camogie, but um, I would hope that uh, by myself getting involved as a manager would give the confidence to every other woman that's out there. You know, I know there's some great coaches, Fiona Driscoll from Cork, you know, she trained the Liz Downey Camogie team when I was involved, an absolutely brilliant coach. Juliet Murphy was doing some coaching in Cork as well. There, there is plenty of, of women out there that just have to have the confidence. But I would say to clubs, hurling clubs, football clubs, you know, to um, have confidence in the women that you know, that are available, that have won all Ireland, that have been to the mill, you know, with great coaches to take a chance and, you know, have confidence that they, you know, that they would do, be able to do a job for them. And certainly I would, I would, would imagine in the next few years that we'll see far, far more uh, women coaches. Yeah, I, I, and I hope so too. And I know several very, very good coaches uh, myself. Uh, do you think there's more barriers uh, out there for women to get involved in coaching? Well, I suppose, you know, is it, the big thing is to have the time because you have to be so organised and, you know, it's not just the three nights that you go to tra- train and you have to have your plan and you have to know what's what's going to happen. And you also, to get involved with any team, you know, you, you, you have to be available to players uh, 24-7. Um, and it's the work that has to be done outside the session and the days that you're not, that you're not um coaching you know um it's not just the downs tools that day you know there's a lot of work that we have has to go on behind the scene before um you get to the training the training grounds but it's it's a it's time consuming and i suppose that's the big barrier i suppose especially for if you have families and you're trying to keep um hold down a job and all the rest you know but um as i said hopefully you know um GA clubs, you know, will give the opportunity to the women that you know are ready to put their hand up. Yeah, uh, and I think I think I think the tide is turning. I think a lot more women are getting involved in coaching, and and hopefully that will continue. Um, just before we we, we get to the last few questions, and I just in terms of the camogie uh camogie standard in Ireland in Ireland at the moment, and the and the changes that we've seen over the last 15, 20 years. Where where do you think the future of the game is going? What do you think's next? What's the next big breakthrough in camogie? Well, I think for Camogie to progress, we're, we're just going to have, at the moment, 
to try and have so uh, a game, a camogie game before a hurling game, you know, double headers, as many double headers as we can. Um, I think the ladies football might have had 13 double headers last year, whereas the camogie might have had one or two at the most. Um, certainly, I would like to see the camogie and the GA hurling working together because it, during my time, the biggest problem we had was the GA calendar and maybe Kenny would have been playing. And I know one particular day Kenny were playing inside the park where we were playing out, out the road where it could have been a double header. And I would like, I'd love if the fixtures could work together, even for the league. Because camogie needs to go to a wider audience. You know, I mean, we're, they're not seeing enough good camogie to be interested in, um, to stay following it. And I mean, top class games are brilliant. Uh, but we need to bring it to a wider audience, you know, and the only way you can do that is, is the double header. You know, you go back to the All-Ireland 70, uh, I think it was in 17, when we played in Thurles against Kilkenny and Waterford replay. I mean, it was a brilliant match and we were lucky enough that the first match had gone to extra time uh, and the crowd were coming in, you know, probably for the start of a hurling that was delayed and they got to see a great game. So hopefully more exposure, I suppose, really. Uh, for the game is what I'd like to see. Yeah, no, that sounds great. It'll be great to see see more double headers, especially with with, with the quality games. Um, and you've been great time wise. Uh, we're nearly there. Three questions we ask to everyone that we have on the show. Um, so the first one: What do you class as a successful coach, Anne? Yeah, I think a good coach is someone that will listen. To be quite honest, uh, you can't go in as a coach thinking that you know it all. Uh, certainly talk to the players every player is an individual um, they all have different qualities they're all not able to do the big laps so really to listen and talk to, to the players as, as individual get the feedback and don't be afraid of feedback and don't be afraid if it's going to be a negative uh, feedback because that's how you learn so and would you then be saying that you'd have a huge emphasis on the communication then as a coach as in the communication skills and that connection with the player I, I, yeah, definitely, you know, and even after our games, you know, we would sit down the night after the next training session and, you know, there were, there, we were, we would invite the girls to give us their opinion. And, you know, if, if it was a negative, that's not a problem. You know, they were free to say what they thought was working, what wasn't working. And, you know, no one went home, you know, giving out about someone else. It was an open conversation that everyone was big enough and bold enough to be able to take on board whatever, you know, uh, was thrown at them. And, and we learned from it and we grew from it. Yeah, that's good. I think that's a really good practical message that people can take. It's a really simple thing. Starting like that with just having feedback after games, I think is really, really simple. Um, and best book resource or anything that you'd recommend for coaches? Stephen, books I would read, but, you know, I might only take a snippet. I mean, for my coaching, it was watching, looking um, at training sessions, be it a, a club coach or, as I said, Brian Cody uh, with Michael Dempsey inside, Martin Fogarty. That's how that's how I learned my trade, to be quite honest. I wouldn't be recommending the book. I would recommend someone to get to a good training session. Some great coaches out there, um, you know, and they're all willing to help. It's only a matter of picking up the phone and say, look, I'm stuck at something or what would you recommend? And I can assure you every GA person, you know, they're GA to the bone. They're willing to, you know, to all grades for them to improve and they're always there to help. 
Uh, that's brilliant advice as well. And I think, and and it's uh, the way you were talking earlier on about the willingness of of Brian Cody, Michael Dempsey, etc., to, to, to picking up the phone and helping it out. I think that's a, again another message. And even we talk about it a good bit on the show that people can be using coaches with even within their own club that might have gone through the the, the years or so the the age group ahead of them that that will be able to give good advice as well. You know. Um. Last question, Ant. Um. Your top tips for a developing coach, and I know we may have covered some of it, but even in way of summary, it'd be great. Well, you know, a good coach, I think, knows the strength uh, of each player, to be quite honest. You know, you can't ask someone to do something that they're not able to do. Know their strengths and and work on it. Uh, Work on their strengths and, as I said, listen and just don't think that you know it all. You know, every day you go out, you can learn. Every day you go out, you can improve. Um, and don't be afraid of, of the, as I said, the criticism. Someone's coming back with a negative. You know, a negative can always be turned into a positive. And I think that is a fantastic way to finish. And you've been absolutely brilliant. Um, fascinating to hear your insights into into coaching and how Camogie and and, and coaching in Camogie has changed over the years. Uh, the emphasis that you place on the back room and the team that you have around you is fantastic. I love the fact that you talk about enjoyment being really important, particularly at the at the high level, because I think sometimes as coaches we we often forget that uh, the importance of variety in your training sessions. Uh, again, a key message I think for people, and I think a lot of people listening, um, and, and any women listening will, I think they would gain an awful lot of confidence from listening to you and and help them in their own coaching journey. So, Anne, thank you very much. Thanks for listening to The Coaching Bubble and I hope you learned something to help you with your own coaching. Please follow us on Twitter at Bubble Coaching where we will put any books or resources mentioned on the show up on the page. You can now subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and SoundCloud and feel free to get in touch with any feedback. We'd love to hear from you. As always, the show is produced by Niall Williams and the Coach Education Centre of the Camogie Association. Thanks for listening.